Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Good evening. Thanks for tuning in to our online discussion of the book of Matthew. We're glad that you've joined us tonight, and we're going to be continuing to walk through the text like we've been doing every week. Now, I know you don't know this at home, but this is actually take two for us because somebody forgot to turn on the microphone. So we're going to maybe move a little bit quickly, but we're still going to cover the material, but maybe be a little bit more condensed. But we want to encourage you. That doesn't mean don't dig in on your own. Please participate in the Zoom class on Wednesday night. And if you have questions, feel free to message us or even leave them in the comment section of the video. But even that shows the importance of what we're going to see tonight uh, on the difference between just saying something or actually doing it. So you can say that the microphone's on and doing your mic check, but actually doing Doing it. Doing it and checking But but no, but but, you didn't do a mic check Yeah, but but seriously though, I mean, that's the point that we saw going back to last week, right? In chapter 21, we, we see this this Greek word poieo start coming up again. It goes all the way back to chapter 12, chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Matthew is driving home this point that you need to do yes. fruit. Jesus is driving home the point you need to do fruit. Because where we left off last week was in chapter 21 with the barren fig tree. And the question was, are you leafy or are you fruity? To yeah. put it kind of plainly, but are, do we all show and no go? Do we act like we're bearing fruit, but actually aren't? So to set the stage for our audience, um, we're toward the end of Jesus' ministry. He's already made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He enters the temple. He drives out the money changers and has an interaction with the high, with the chief priests who are upset with Jesus because the children are crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, and they don't like that. So Jesus, um, you know, rebukes him, of course, but then he leaves. He spends the night in Bethany and then he comes back to Jerusalem. On the way there, he curses the barren fig tree and now he goes back into the temple. And that's where we are tonight in verse 23 of Matthew 21. So when he, Jesus, enters into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said to him, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? So they knew he was going to come back and they're waiting. They're lying in wait for him and they want to trap him somehow, test him. They want to accuse him. You, you, you mentioned in our previous recording, you know, that when you're ans- asking a question like this, by the daytime, it's often designed to trap yeah. and not honest. Yeah. And we don't think these people are honest here. So, Nick, what's the question that they asked Jesus? Uh, but what authority are you doing these things? Yeah, so right. why are you doing this? Who gave right. you this why authority? It's very accusatory. Right. If you were teaching a Bible class and I said, well, who put you in charge? You know what I mean? That'd be yeah. kind of a, an accusatory type statement. So that's what they're doing here. And it's a direct contrast to, to, to what the children were saying, right? Because the children were seeing, or again, going back here to verse 15, that they, they saw and acknowledged the wonderful things they did. But the children came to this conclusion, Hosanna, son of David. Yeah. The scribes and Pharisees came to the conclusion as, why you're, why are you doing this? By whose authority are you doing this? See, they knew his authority, but the chief priest didn't. Yeah. yeah. Contrast. Very good. Yeah. Um, so Jesus says to them, he says, I will answer you, or I will ask you one thing. And if you answer this, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus goes, first, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. And he asked them a question about the baptism of John. And that's still a hot button issue of the yeah. day. Okay. So he asked them, the baptism of John, was it, what source was it from? Heaven? Or from men. And they begin reasoning amongst themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, 
Um, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. So Jesus asked a question here. Why do you think he's asking this question, Nick? Well, he's, I don't know if it's necessarily to trap them, but it's kind of a counter to his, to the questions that they've been asking him. So by what authority are you doing these things? And Jesus says, if you want to know, you got to answer this question that I've yeah, lined up for you. And I think it's designed to maybe check their hearts a little bit. They yeah, yeah, use yeah. a common yeah. terminology of our day yeah. to check their honesty. Um, Jesus wants to make sure, and he knows, but it's to the, you know, obviously to make a point, but he knows where this question's coming from. It's not coming from a good place. Right. When you're in the middle of teaching and someone goes, what authority are you doing this? That's not really an honest question, but mm-hmm. Jesus wants them to condemn themselves and show their dishonesty. Right. So he asked him, okay, tell me this, John's baptism, was it from God or was it from men? And they reason among themselves. When you have to reason how you're going to answer, question. that's yeah. a problem. I mean, it's a right? lo- it's a loaded question to people who are you know uh, not looking to get the question answered uh, honestly. To dishonest people, yeah, it's a loaded question. To honest loaded. people, it's yeah, easy it's, to answer. Yeah. Easy. Well, and and I like the I point sh- that's a good point that that you were going. When you have to to reason and get your ducks in a row amongst yeah. yourselves on yeah. how are we going to approach this. It shows that there's some twisting and turning, some some mm-hmm. slick maneuvering. You turn to a politician as opposed to a truth seeker here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are we going to say this politically? They go, well, if we say it's from heaven, then he'll say, well, how come you didn't follow it? Because they didn't. They rejected Just say John. Just a lot of words, confuse people, and never get to your point. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then then they said, well, if we say it's from men, then all the people that respect us won't respect us because they like John. They consider him a prophet. So they told Jesus, verse 27, we don't know. That's a lie. Yeah. The answer, we don't know. And Jesus says, neither will I tell you by what authority do I do these things. He goes, if you're not going to be honest with yourselves, I'm not going to waste my time with you. And there's some questions like that where people ask them not from an honest heart, but from designing to argue or to trap. And we don't have to waste our time with those. Yeah, but but Jesus does circle back and he does answer their question in a sort of way. So he's going to start by by giving us three parables here. Going The third one being in chapter 22. But he's... Directly, his direct objective, excuse me, is to convict the Jewish leaders, to, to show them yeah. what they are, who they are, what fruit they are bearing, what fruit they're not bearing. And so he does answer the question, but he, he throws a jab at it. He in does, the process. for sure. So he, this dialogue continues, and I hate chapter breaks or paragraph breaks sometimes in our Bible because we lose the train of thought. So verse 28, but what do you think? So they, he says, I'm not going to answer you, but what do you think about this? He says, there is a man who had two sons. And he lays out this parable. The two sons, he told them to go out and work in the vineyard. The first son tells his dad, I will not. But he ultimately goes and does it. And um, he regretted it, but he went. The second son tells his father, I will, sir. But he didn't do it. It, It's interesting. I will go, sir. That sir is that same word for master. Um, that we see throughout the rest of oh, Matthew. And, and so it's, he's acknowledging his dad as master, which we're, I think we're going to get into more, but it's more than just this acknowledgement. Yeah, but they, he didn't obey. Yeah. He didn't do it. So Jesus asked a question. Which of the two did the will of his father? He's asking the question to the chief priest. Which of these two sons actually did what their father wanted? The second son who said, I will, but didn't, or the first son who said, I won't, but did? And they said to him, the first Jesus said, truly I say to you, that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. Whoa. So they answered correctly, but from that, Jesus goes, you know who's going to get to the kingdom? The worst of the worst. 
The people that you the see outside. Worst of the, you know, yeah. the worst of the worst. Yeah. You know, the the, the prostitutes. The, the most hated people in society are going to be a part of the kingdom before you are. And why is that? Yeah. What because did they, they do will, different? Well, I mean, I, I think they, they too think it's more important that they think it's, it's more acceptable for, you know, I tell you what you want to hear first, but don't do it. Instead of telling you what you don't want to hear and then going and do well, it. How was, more how was the first son right. like the tax collectors? Well, he said, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to serve God. Look at Matthew. The, fir- the tax collectors and the prostitutes lived a lifestyle in rebellion to God. They yeah. said, we're not going to follow God. Well, and they were seen as traitors, you know, or at least tax collectors were, were seen as traitors yeah. in society. But after yeah. John's preaching, mm-hmm. they repented. They repented. So, so they the- initially were going against God's will. After John's preaching, they repented yeah. and right. did what the Father said to do. Unlike the chief priests, the Pharisees, the scribes, all of them, they all along said, we love you, God, we'll do exactly what you say. But when it came to actually do what God wanted, they didn't do it. They were all leaves I'll do what you say, and no God. fruits. Yeah. And I think that, that I mean, we talked about the, the theme too, kind of running through this book, this idea of, of fruits, mm-hmm. which goes all the way back to the Sermon on the Mount and comes forward into, you know, it may look like it produces fruit, but it's not producing fruit. Really, it's disguised in. It's a it's a tree that looks good, disguised or a bad tree that looks good disguised, you know, as something that's supposed to produce fruit rather than as Dave Ramsey says, big fruit. hat, no cattle. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but and 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 Matthew is going to drive that fruit point home, yeah. and we're going to see um, it, it culminate here in verse forty three, uh, which we'll get to shortly. Uh, but it goes back to the concept that, that's introduced in, or that's introduced in chapter seven at the yeah. Sermon on the Mount, and reiterated, I think, in twelve that the, this good the need for a good fruit you recognize right. them by their fruits, right? Um, so a morally good tree, an agathos tree, will produce kalos, beautiful fruit. Right. In order for me to produce beautiful fruit, I need to be a morally good tree mm-hmm. because the the morally bad tree cannot produce. That fruit, and that's what what this first parable is hinting at. That point that right. the second son had some issues yeah. morally. Yeah, uh, and then we're going to see in this next parable the True. tenants are in that same well, boat. I also like too that mentioned that the second son lied. Yeah, and the chief priests before this were dishonest as well with not answering. Verse thirty-two: For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him, and you seeing this did not even feel remorse afterward so as to believe him. So when you even saw the tax collectors and the prostitutes obey, you didn't even want to do it? What's your deal? It's kind of what he says. Then we go into the second parable. Listen to another parable. So he's laying this out to them, and I imagine this is really getting under their skin a little bit. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. When so, the, uh, yes. This was, sorry to interrupt, but it, it shows deliberate thought and action here. He didn't just casually just have an open field that no. had some grapes on it. There's, there's planning, there's effort put into here. He didn't just, it, it, there's a fence, there's one press, there, there's infrastructure built and put in place. He cared for this vineyard. Yeah. There's a plan. There's a purpose. There's a mission here. And he made this vineyard and the wine press and the wall and all that. When harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. The vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. And again, he sent another group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing after them. But afterwards, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. 
But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now, we knowing the, the story of the Bible, we can see that here in this section. The landowner creates a vineyard and has this whole plan. What do you think that is, Curtis? Um, the plan? For yeah, the what, is, what is this? What is this? Oh, this scene? I, and I think that we're going to see it even as we go, as we continue, that Jesus is going to drive that point home. This is a, a retelling of God's plan. Yeah. Um, all the way back to the beginning, the, the servants in verse 35, um, the tenants came and took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. That's the prophets. Yeah. So God created a plan and he sent prophets to enact that plan mm-hmm. and they rejected the prophets. Yeah. And so it, it goes back that the master uh, is desiring fruit. And so he sends his prophets to get fruit. Yeah. You don't like it. You kill. Mm-hmm. So what's he going to do? Send more prophets? Oh, wait, John the Baptist, here he comes. Yeah. What do you do to him? And then it's, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so they're not responding to the prophets. I'll send my son. Jesus. Right. Yeah. They'll respect him. Yeah. We right. would all assume, right? They'll respect God. They'll respect God. God's son. Well, that's who they're expecting. Well, right? That's yeah. who they're expecting, the Messiah. And yet to free they did exile. They killed him, which right. Jesus is predicting his own yeah. death here. Yeah. Which, he ha- which he has in previous sections, chapter yeah. 16, 17. Yeah, and... This story is days, literally days, days. before Jesus' death. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, the, the, uh, you've heard the question before on what would be the last sermon you preach or the last thing that you say, right? This is the last stuff that Jesus said. And what point is he getting across? So he's coming out and he's, he's showing the, the fallacies with the Pharisees and the scribes and the way that they were living the life, the way that they were producing their fruits. This is the most important stuff that Jesus was saying right. at Right before his death. And for the most part, he's already unhitched the people who were following the Pharisees are now following him. Yeah. He's unhitched those people, which is why kind of at the end of this parable, it says that they didn't do anything They're because they thought, yeah. they feared the people, right? Their, their fear was the people regarded him as a prophet. They've already, Jesus has already unhitched these individuals and attached them to his his train. What I think it's neat here too is like this parallels so many other sermons in scripture. Like in my, in Acts chapter seven, Stephen preaches the same sermon. Yeah. He goes, God had a plan. He sent prophets. You killed them. He mm-hmm. sent his son. You killed them. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the Bible story yeah. is people keep rejecting God's help to help them bear fruit and all yeah. of that. And so Jesus asked the, the chief priest, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what would, what do you think he's going to do to the vine growers? And they said to him, so the chief priests now say, here's what we think the landowner is going to do. He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, and he'll rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. He's going to reject those people. It's, it just amazes me. When Jesus asked him a question, point blank, they, they couldn't get the right answer yeah. out. Couldn't but, see the forest for the no. trees. He's talking about that. here he tells them a story, and then he asks them a question. And In both instances, they're able to answer it. Correct. They answered it correctly, but what, they still couldn't see what, themselves. No, in they, it. When they missed it doesn't the point. have to do with something they're doing wrong, they're willing to answer. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. When it's not about me, when it actually is about me, right. when they don't think it's about them, then they can be honest. When they don't have to answer for themselves, they're honest. Right. Which is really, which is really the point they're grabbing by saying, you know, uh, as long as it's not something I'm doing wrong, then it's okay. If if what I believe, what I believe can't be wrong, so. By you telling me that what I'm believing or what I'm thinking is wrong, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna reject yeah. your question or your your idea. Well, and just spinning things a little different, I was thinking about a, a common interview question. Instead of me asking you, uh, tell me about your weaknesses. 
uh, it's I find someone who you may know in your past, and so, oh, um, so I know that you've worked with Cliff before. If I were to call Cliff up and talk to him, what would he say your weaknesses are? And then you get a, a much more honest answer by bringing it up in that approach. And so by Jesus here telling the story and making them look at it from a different perspective, I like that, that they're able to on, answer honestly without the baggage of themselves being carried And they it. do. They say that he will reject them. Just like what did God do? Rejected them. They're not in the kingdom, right? Because um, so, they're under the delusion that that this is really that the they're under the delusion of this perception of the Messiah. I think is what it all goes back to that ideology that he's going to free us from exile. He's going to free us from Rome. So if he's not what we expect him to be, then he is not who he is. I think more than that. I think it's if the Messiah requires us to change, he must not be the Messiah. Well, Ooh, because that, yeah. that is directly tied to what he says yeah. here in verse 32, right? Yes. Uh, and, and so oftentimes, I know we've had this conversation before, oftentimes I see myself more closely resemble the Pharisees of the New mm-hmm. Testament than the, than the disciples of the New sure. Testament. Uh, and, and there's many times where th- this is very true, where you see something uh, or it calls, uh, calls me to question something in my life, uh, a sin I'm struggling with or, or a, a sin I'm... I'm causing out of omission right something that i'm not doing but i do not change my mind as a result of it and so that i i have that callous heart that callous approach because i refuse to change yeah we assume we just aren't willing to accept anything that calls us out that convicts that corrects mm-hmm. that rebukes us i was listening to a, a precursor to a series of lessons um, today um, and it was actually about biblical sexuality and it kind of ties into our discussion we've having in our sermons on Sunday morning and I think it was Francis Chan actually talking about it as he introduces this series he says look I want you right now to not just immediately reject what I'm going to show you just because it goes against your perception of sexuality your perception of the way the world should be let's just back up for a second and listen to what the Bible teaches and we need to have that attitude where we it doesn't matter if it goes against what we want, what we think, what we've always done. We have to be willing to listen. They weren't willing to do that. So Jesus says to them in verse 42, did you never read the scriptures? Did you, don't you know what it says? And that's when you tell a chief priest that, they should be saying, yeah, of course we do. And he goes, no, you, you didn't. They don't have excuses. Yeah, so he quotes the Bible to him, Psalm 118. He says, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. They are rejecting the chief cornerstone. That's Jesus. He's the foundation of the kingdom. He's the foundation of God's plan. It was, but he was rejected by the builders, and they are rejecting him now. They're fulfilling that prophecy, and it's not a good prophecy. No. They're feeling fulfilling. It's a self-fulfilling negative prophecy about, you know, all of that, right? They're rejecting Jesus, but it's part of God's plan. He knew it was going to happen, and, and it, it's a sad, it's a sad truth. And again, uh, I don't want to belabor the point, but but do I put myself in this exact same situation? Do I put myself where I reject Jesus because it doesn't fit what I want, yeah. or, or mm-hmm. what I, I should be doing? It's something I should be doing, but it's not something that I want to do. And as a result, by me not producing fruits, right. I'm in turn rejecting Jesus. Yeah. By not producing fruits, I am rejecting the chief cornerstone, the foundation of the kingdom. I think that's what ties into this next verse, verse 43. 
Jesus lays out his conclusion. If you're underlining your Bible at home, I hope you are, underline verse 43. This is key to this entire section. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. How are you going to respond to Jesus? Are you going to bear fruit? If you bear fruit, the kingdom of God is yours. Not that you earn it, but but the kingdom of God belongs to those that are bearing fruit for that kingdom. If you're not going to bear fruit for the kingdom, you're not part of the kingdom. Again, it goes back to that concept we've been looking at over and over again. This idea of, you know, you know, hypocrites and doers. Yeah. Right? Um, the idea that, you know, are you going to do what what God asked you to do? Or are you going to say what you think God wants to hear from you and then not do anything? You know, the idea that are, are we acting out our Christianity yeah. or are we doing Christianity? Are we like the second son yes. that says, like I will go, but we don't. Right. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and... I think sometimes, you know, we have to look at that ourselves. You know, we say, we can say a lot of things, but it doesn't I'm matter. faithful. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a disciple. Jesus says, many will say to me on that lay, Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say. I mean, and, and, that, and that, that is the key. It's that, that we have to be doers. We have to have that, that self-reflection. I was looking at what James talks about. We need to look at the word as a mirror, right, into ourselves mm-hmm. um, to be able to identify and, and fix yeah. those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's there's so much to it. Uh, and I don't want to just get on this, this uh, misconstrue it to where it seems like doing fruits, we earn salvation. Yeah. Because here, if we, if we even look at the words that, Jesus spoke on this parable. Uh, when he talks about the, the least to the tenants, um, it, it has that root and that apodidomai word that goes all the way back to the reward that one has. It's this gift mm-hmm. that is given. The master in this parable gave, gifted this land, the, this well-developed land to the tenants. And the only thing that he required from them was to use it and produce fruits. Yeah. And so we have been given this vineyard, this land. The only thing that we need to do from it is you use it and produce fruit. fruits. Well, and like you mentioned earlier, good tree, bad fruit, and all that, the fruit that we bear is testimony to the root of us, where, mm-hmm. where we're grounded, where we're rooted. If we are rooted in Jesus, if we are a good tree that follows him, that loves him, that, that receives him as Lord, yeah, from the heart, right. then good fruit's going to happen. Yeah. If good fruit is not happening in my life, there's a root problem, a heart problem in me. Yeah. But if I'm grounded in Jesus, rooted in him, built on him as that chief cornerstone, you know, house built upon the rock and all of that, then I will bear fruit from and, him. And then that chief cornerstone, that is the 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 the, the stone that they determine the squareness of the house. Yeah. And if that, that stone is not measured against, everything else will fall down and crumble. Yeah, it won't work. The yeah, and so and that, the way that I see or picture it, the way that I can put, wrap my mind around it, going all the way back to chapter 16, right? When, when Jesus calls Peter by Peter, calls Simon Peter. His identity changes. His mm-hmm. entire life goal changes. Uh, and it's at that confession of Christ, everything shifted. Everything moved with urgency towards the cross. And the same thing happens in our life. If I shift my identity to Christ, then my identity, my root, 
is now Christ. It shapes all the decisions. And that ultimately shapes what fruit I produce. Very good. Well, also notice, you know, verse 33, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, given to the people producing fruit. The tax collectors and the prostitutes here in the section were actually producing fruit. God gave the kingdom to these chief priests, basically saying, lead it, shepherd my people, lead my kingdom. And they didn't. So it's taken away. They missed out. Now, they're going to get a chance to come back and repent and all of that. But, you know, people ask us every week as we discuss this, too, well, what, what do I need to do to bear fruit for God? Mm. It might be too simple, but it's just do God's will. Look for opportunities to do what God would want you to do, whether it's showing love towards your neighbor by helping them out in some way, whether it's donating to a good cause, whether it's supporting a good work of the church, whether it's teaching someone the gospel, praying with somebody, it's doing God's will. That is what it means to bear Something fruit. Something as simple as a text message. And yeah. Donna Tyler, bless her, she, she does this better than anyone that I, I, I know of. Just a simple text message that, that just... Uh, Open, it just brings so much joy to my day. Yeah. And generally, I get them at work, and it's a huge pick me up at work. So, Donna, thank you for the text messages that you send because it is it is producing fruit. That fruit she's bearing is helping you bear more yeah. fruit. Yeah, no, and it, it's huge. Yeah, um, brother um, Johan posted on our Facebook group today about um, Delfino, one of our members of our Spanish congregation, had passed away. There's a GoFundMe page there. By giving there, you're bearing fruit, and you might help that family. Bear fruit. You know, I mean, all these opportunities are there when we start looking for them. And that's the kind of people God has in his kingdom. People right, that are looking. Generous. Yeah. People that are looking to do the Loving. will of the Father. Yeah, yeah. People that are like Jesus yeah. will bear fruit for I him. Mean, and then you, you, you just said it. I mean, if you want to know what you can do to pr- produce fruit, look at what Jesus did. Instead of rejecting him like they yeah. hear as that chief cornerstone. What is Jesus doing that is, because we know he's producing fruit. We know God is pleased with him. What is he doing? Yeah. Sure, we might not be able to replicate, you know, his amazing teachings or no, awesome but, miracles. But I can love, I can teach, can I can love, give. I can, you can be compassionate, yeah, you can that. be generous, you can be all sorts of things. And we need to look at the fruit we are producing in our yeah. life. Because the season is drawing near yeah. for when that fruit inspector is going to show up. The master is going to come and look at our fruits to be able to determine... If we are that good, and that tree. is tangible too, it's something that you can see. Right. Like it's not abstract. It's not something you have to wonder. It's you can know if you're doing stuff for God. Yeah. That's yeah. that's simple. Yeah. You know, um, I could ask my kids, "Hey, what good thing did you do today for someone else?" Right? I mean, they can point to something or can't point to something. That's mm-hmm. something you can make a line with. I can look at my life. Did I reflect Jesus anywhere today? If not, there's an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here, Jesus lays this out and tells them, you know, that they need to bear fruit and that they shouldn't reject him, but they did. And in verse 45, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. Now, if it started, stopped right there, we're like, yes, they get it. They understand. But understanding Jesus isn't mm-hmm. enough. Because in verse 46, when they sought to seize him, they feared the people because they considered him a prophet. They understood, but they wanted to get him. They wanted to hurt him because of what he was saying. They rejected the the chief cornerstone, Jesus. He became that stone that the builders rejected. They were supposed to build the kingdom, but instead they rejected him. And and, in doing so, they fulfilled what, what Jesus talks about here in verse 38. They got the picture. They understood that the persons who come and kill the son need to be destroyed themselves. And yeah. here, their desire, their conclusion is, oh, he's talking about us. Let's go arrest him. Let's get him. 
So then the question for us and for our audience tonight would be, when we hear a teaching from Jesus that convicts us, that condemns us maybe, how do we respond? Do we respond in anger? Do we try to weasel out of it in some way, in some kind of legalistic, pharisaical way? Or do we accept the teaching and make the necessary changes so that we can bear fruit for God? I think that's a good thought to close on tonight. You got, gentlemen, have anything else we want to add about this? Be fruity. Yeah, be fruity, fruity. not leafy. <laughs> oh, I thank you then for tuning in. Um, please, if you have questions, send them in. Study this. This is such an awesome passage, and it's convicting me to want to bear fruit for God. So much in, in this last week, I looked for more opportunities to do good, mm-hmm. and, and they're out there when we look for them because I feel like there's a lot of times that I could be bearing more fruit, and I know I'm not. And I want to be a person that's, that's representing the kingdom well because my mm-hmm. Lord died for me, let me know, and set this example for well, me. I think that one thing that we can do um, on Wednesday night during the Zoom call is discuss the fruits that we have identified or those fruity opportunities yeah. uh, and start discussing our fruity opportunities. There you go. But no, really, share. And I don't mean this in a braggadocious way, but share opportunities to do good with others yeah. and let people join in with that so that we can make a difference in this world and bring people to Jesus Amen. so they can be saved. Amen. Well, I thank you for tuning in tonight. Join in the Zoom class if you can on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. Share these links with others. Um, we have a podcast now you can follow along. There's a lot of good works being done. If you need work to do, if you're like, I just don't know where to start, Message me, message Nick, message Curtis, and we will send you some things that you can do to bear fruit for God. Thank you, (laughs) and God bless. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating, and God bless. Thank you.